This is Innovating a Bright Future. Hello and welcome to our second bonus episode of Season 2. As always, I'm your host Avery Crywalt with Innovating a Bright Future, where I walk you through the innovative and revolutionary technology driving climate action and laying the foundation for a sustainable future. Sometimes these bonus episodes stray from the typical technology focus that we have at this show. But today, we are instead going to dive deep into a very complex technology. Exciting, right? Today we're talking about the Internet of Things. What is that? I don't know. I'm not sure anyone can define it completely because buzzwords like the Internet of Things, blockchain, and Internet 3.0 have been floating around and been used interchangeably. So today we're going to dive into all of them. We're going to take a look at what the next phase in connective technology could look like, what it means for us, and what it could mean for climate. Alright, so, the next phase of technology is something that seems to be gaining hype. There's a kind of energy of anticipation and expectation in the air. Maybe it's the continued advancements of hype cycles fueled by Elon Musk, Bezos, and the good old Zuckerberg. It could be the rise in popularity of sci-fi media, or maybe everyone is just bored with their silly old cell phones and wants something new. Whatever it is, it feels like we're on the edge of something, something big. Internet 3.0, perhaps. But let's wait a bit for that. We'll come back to Web 3.0 later. Let's start with blockchain. We're starting with blockchain because I can understand it the least, so it will be the shortest, because I don't really know all that much. If you Google blockchain, you'll probably find something that says something along the lines of an immutable ledger that facilitates the tracking of transactions efficiently and in a distributed manner. And I'm here to tell you that if that doesn't make any sense to you, Congratulations, you're in the majority, including me. So here it is as I understand it, in terms that make a little more sense than whatever I just said. If you're a blockchain expert and I have something completely wrong here, feel free to reach out. I'm totally up for learning. I'm learning this as I go, so reach out if I'm getting something wrong. Blockchain is the result of a shift from centralized data to decentralized data. So when we use blockchain, instead of using physical machines to store our data, which companies like Google and Amazon own and maintain, where the data is secured and protected by encryptions and computery stuff, we instead use a network of intangible chains to store our data. The idea is that blockchain will be integrated into every technological aspect of our lives. Everyone's phone and computer and tablet, etc. will have access to the blockchain. Business transactions are the use case that's being looked at the most right now and illustrate what blockchain will do the best. Say you're a part of a public blockchain in your city. Corporations, private businesses, and stock trading platforms can also have private or invite-only blockchains, so keep that in mind. Now when you're on this blockchain and you make an online purchase, the network tracks the transfer of an asset to you in return for currency. Say you bought a pair of jeans online for one Ethereum. I'm not going to go into crypto, but we have to assume that if we're living in a world of blockchain, our currency probably won't be the same as we have now. The asset of the genes will be transferred to your identity on the blockchain. The blockchain records the transaction, and it is permanently recorded on the distributed network. It can never be changed. That means that when you click pay, 
every other member of the network, not the person, but the blocks of the blockchain, acknowledge that the transaction took place and add the transaction as a new block. That's how I understand it anyway. So now your data is safe on a permanent ledger. No one outside of your blockchain can access your data and manipulate it. Now expand that out to every aspect of society. It might not matter for a pair of pants, but maybe you own a business and you're ordering millions of dollars worth of stock a year. It's all kept track of in your blockchain and recorded free of mistakes or duplications. And keep in mind that this is the beginning of blockchain. No one really knows where it's headed for sure because only time will tell. We're going to talk more about how we can use all of these new systems later on. But to sum it up, blockchain is a technology concerned with privacy, security, and efficiency. You can't hack a blockchain because it's everywhere. It makes transactions and record keeping more efficient. So to conclude this section, it's not a direct driver of climate mitigation, but it frees up manpower and budget to work on other things and can be used in tandem with something like the Internet of Things to an amplified effect. Speaking of which, the Internet of Things. Our next mind warp of a topic. The Internet of Things is the culmination of decades of science fiction. I don't know what else to tell you. The Internet of Things is a world of interconnected, communicating devices that can learn from one another and themselves and adapt to the world in real time. It's when technology is coupled with measuring systems like sensors and analytical software, connected to a web of other devices in the same way, and then that technology is given a life of its own. To some extent, this already exists. We have thermometers in our homes that are basically the earliest form of devices that are connected in this way. The thermostat measures the temperature, compares it to the human input, and then tells the furnace or AC to turn on. There you go, a miniature Internet of Things, a connected network. But we will reach a new level of this interconnectivity, and that's what we are quickly approaching now with technologies like smart homes, smart lights, smart blinds, Alexa, Google HomePods, Everything is getting smarter and we are getting closer to a reality of sci-fi than we realize. We are not far away from a true Internet of Things, where your day could look something like this. Your alarm wakes you up. Oh, you're up 30 minutes earlier than usual because your car let you know that you need to get gas before you head to work, and your phone checked the road conditions and figured that you would need an extra 15 minutes on the road this morning. You hop out of bed and your phone has checked your calendar for the day and found you have a meeting and a gym session scheduled. So it has a list of items you'll need for the day, all that are clean and ready to go, of course, because it wouldn't be very smart if it chose dirty clothes, now would it? You head out to the kitchen and oh, how nice. Your smart home opened up the blinds for you, bumped up your thermostat to balance out the cold weather, and started up your coffee. Your car is ready to go and started in the driveway as you grab your jacket and head out. Of course, no driving yourself to work. Self-driving cars, right? By the time you're off to work, your fridge has sent you a grocery list, and your phone lets you know that you should probably book a chiropractor appointment. It's been a while. I think you get the picture. Everything will be communicating, adapting, and acting to make your life easier. That's the whole purpose of the Internet of Things. Efficiency. And yes, if you were wondering, the Internet of Things is very reliant on artificial intelligence, so I guess we should talk about that for a bit too. All of these quote-unquote new wave technologies rely on artificial intelligence. All of them. That's because we've pretty much reached the threshold of how much humans can interact with data. We don't have any more time to devote to running the technology in our lives. 
We have to transition to a world where the technology runs itself, and that's what artificial intelligence is meant to do. Artificial intelligence isn't the fact that your fridge can track what's in it. That's just going to be typical technological advancements and maybe a bit of the Internet of Things. Artificial intelligence is when the operating system of your fridge can track what's inside of it, what you usually have in your fridge, and how often you shop to determine what you should buy and when you should buy it so that you don't fully run out of things. It can then use that data and the data of stores in your area to tell you exactly where you should go to get the groceries you need. Artificial intelligence is when the machines around you can actively learn from your behavior and the rest of the world to adapt and increase the efficiency of basically everything. So artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things are very closely related. Artificial intelligence is what allows the systems to track measurements and data and analyze the best course of action for the system, the Internet of Things, to take. The Internet of Things, the connective sharing of information, is what allows the system to actually make those changes and adjust in any way that you need. Again, we're going to talk about how we can use these technologies later, but the Internet of Things has huge potential for the energy, transportation, efficiency, and overall sustainability field of our future world. The biggest use will be in utilizing a system that continually learns from itself and seeks to achieve perfection, and in doing so, eliminates time, resource, and energy use. And now, Internet or Web 3.0. This topic just got a massive boost in popularity because of the recent Facebook rebranding to Meta and Mr. Zuckerberg's kinda crazy vision for the future of Meta. A little bit of background first, because it may seem like we're skipping Internet 2.0, but it's currently being categorized like this. Internet 1 emerged with the very first implementation of telecom, the first devices that could connect to a network back in the 70s and 80s. This stretched pretty much straight to the 2000s when Internet 2.0 emerged. Internet 2.0 was marked with greater user control, the ability to create, follow others, create personal networks, and use the Internet to communicate with others pretty much universally. At this same time, the business of the Internet became a presence, and companies and individuals were able to make money off of the Internet, whether by selling products, information, ad space, or user data. Yikes. Internet 3.0 is the next evolution, and it's said to be a move away from the centralized nature of tech giants and into a world of decentralized data, largely supported by blockchain. See, they're all connected. Because data, applications, and transactions will cease to be monitored and controlled by big tech, individuals will have more control over their time, data, and money. It will allow every person to have the benefits that big companies receive by owning the data centers and servers, because the data centers and servers will be stored in the public web infrastructure and made accessible to anyone. It's hard to understand. I hope this is making some kind of sense. Instead of there being an exploitative dependence on big tech, individual people can use the platforms of Web 3.0 to bypass the targeted advertising, they can own their own data because it isn't flowing through a centralized hub anymore, and they can do with their data, their creations, and their programs whatever they choose. The hope for this next jump in tech is to allow for more freedom of the individual, less exploitative data mines, and more ability for people to integrate with the digital world however they choose. Here's the thing. No one really knows what's going to happen. So if I give you any examples of how this is going to impact our lives, 
it would be a pretty poorly educated guess from a person with little to no education in this field. We can speculate. More virtual reality, more user-created apps and interfaces, more value to digital assets like NFTs, and decreasing importance of physical items because everything lives on the web now. These are all possibilities, but who knows? The boom in NFTs is kind of a wake-up call to everyone. Like it or not, the next tech revolution is coming, and it will likely result in more time and money spent in the virtual world than the real one. I mean, yeah, it might seem crazy that people are paying millions of dollars for pictures of monkeys, but people are doing it. That's happening. We can't dispute that. The fact that it might seem dumb to some people doesn't change the fact that billions of dollars are changing hands on account of what are essentially pictures. And I know they're not just pictures, don't get mad at me, but I'm trying to make a point. Is that any crazier than a currency based entirely on code? I don't know. No one knows for sure. But we're all in for the ride, and I, for one, am excited to see where this goes next. So how can we use this? Well, that's hard to say because we don't really know what this is yet. One thing is for sure. We can be almost, and I want to stress that, almost, sure, that another leap in technology will be good for climate. Yes, it takes a lot of energy to run the technology necessary for cryptocurrency and more web infrastructure, but we can be fairly confident that the benefits will outweigh those challenges. After all, if the entire world is powered by solar, you can use as much energy as you want to mine Bitcoin, and no one's going to stop you. The most benefit from these leaps in technology will most likely come purely from the increase in efficiency that we will be seeing as a result of these changes. Put simply, interconnectivity between devices, artificial intelligence, people, and platforms will make stuff easier to do. Name a system of our society today, and I can probably lay out a way that interconnectivity will make it easier. I'll give you an example. One of our best examples, I think. Logistics. Shipping. Movement of goods and people. Sorry humans, but we are just not very good at this. Sure, we will try to fill our transports as much as possible, but there is simply too much data to analyze to ensure that our logistics systems are operating the best that they possibly can. There's not much we can do about it. It is literally impossible for humans to crunch the numbers at the scale that we would need to to optimize our logistics sector. But hand logistics over to an ever-learning, ever-improving artificial intelligence with access to an incomprehensible amount of data, give it the power to adjust shipments and routes, arrangements of transports, and not only will it be able to immediately do better than humans ever could, but it will get better and better and better at it because it's continually learning. This would take a lot of trust. It would mean allowing a computer to effectively control every item that moves around on tankers, trains, and trucks. But it wouldn't take long to realize that putting that trust into an interconnected network of machines, an internet of things if you will, is extremely beneficial to the transport industry. Less duplicates, less wasted products, less wasted shipping space, and overall a system that is unrecognizable from the previous one. It's a field with really limitless and unimaginable opportunity. Because, just like no one knew that technology like instant messaging and YouTube and cable television was possible 70 years ago, who knows what this could evolve into in the next couple of decades. Technology has come a long way, and there is no sign of this increasingly fast development cycle slowing down anytime soon. We're pretty much just along for the ride at this point. And when the next wave of tech comes along, it will be up to us to capitalize on it and make use of it for the good of our planet 
and the well-being of all of our people. So I think that's about as far down this rabbit hole as I want to go. Bottom line is, my brain doesn't like to think about this kind of technology. It can't comprehend it. It's better suited to solar panels and wind turbines. So if there's anything I missed, anything you want to learn about, or I completely misunderstood and taught wrong, please let me know. Especially the last one. If I got something wrong and you know I got something wrong, please tell me as soon as you can so that I can pass it on to the listeners. I don't want to teach people the wrong information. That's not something I want to do. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something. It's hard to grasp what the future might hold here. It shouldn't be something that causes anxiety because whatever it is, we will be able to use it. It's not something to be afraid of. It's something to look forward to. Yes, the world is going to change in a lot of ways in the next couple of decades, especially if the globe can fully commit to mitigating climate change. If we arrive in 2050 and manage to meet the targets of the IPCC and the Paris Agreement, blah, 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 our world will simply not be the same as it is now. And that is okay. It's a good thing. We are meant to progress and to change. And I'm quite excited for what comes next for humans. Anyways, that's all for this bonus episode. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter and the show notes. It's a great source of extra content for the show, and it really helps us out. Stay innovative. I'll see you on Wednesday.